Sorry. I just grabbed a quick snack. My bad. I get, sometimes I just get a little hungry. Um, sorry. We're church. It's, it is Family Sunday, by the way, um, which means anything can happen. But uh, we actually have found ourselves today in week four of a series uh, that we call Soul Toxins. Now, I've been getting a lot of um, response from these series, things like, you're really getting into my business, and I didn't think you knew that about me, uh, which I didn't, so <laughs> it's okay. Uh, and that's good. That's, that's what the, the focus is of this whole series on soul toxins. But today, we're focusing on hazardous waste. We're, we're talking about the, the things that we allow into our souls and into our lives that just, when it comes down to it, it's just hazardous. Hazardous. I think that one of the biggest things that we can call hazardous waste in our life is our hidden sins. And those are the things nobody likes to talk about. I want to start out this morning. I want to share with you a story about a young man. Um, and it's a true story. I always tell you when I'm making stuff up or when it's true. This is a true story. Uh, there was a young man. He was about 17 years old. And like all 17-year-olds, he wanted a vehicle. And so his parents, being good parents, helped him to buy a small pickup truck. It was a 1987 Mighty Max uh, Mitsubishi Sport pickup truck. But he had to make the payments. They helped him with a down payment. He had to make the payments. He had to cover his own insurance. Uh, but he had a truck. And like any young man with a truck, he had the world. Uh, just before he turned 18... This young man was at a party, and he was doing some less-than-average things that he probably shouldn't have been doing, and he left that party with two friends in his truck. And as they were driving home uh, to drop off his friends, the car in front of them put on his turn signal to make a right turn. Well, this young man started to go around them, but just as he got beside him, the last minute the driver didn't make the turn, and so the two vehicles kind of came together and, and sideswiped, kind of a, just a, a little just down the side little fender bender, a little accident at 55 miles an hour. No big deal. Just an accident. People make mistakes, except the driver of this truck didn't want to get in trouble with his parents for being at a party where he didn't belong and doing some things that he shouldn't have been doing. So he did what most 17-year-old young men would do. He turned off the headlights and drove away. That night, the story goes, he went to a friend's house uh, and by morning, they had fixed the truck and, and repainted the damage. The only thing missing was a piece of black molding that went along the side of the pickup truck. Uh, it was on back order, apparently, when they called to, to find one in town four to six weeks on a back order. Well, this young man, his stepdad asked him if he had wrecked the truck. He said, no, just scraped the molding off out driving around in the woods, you know, being a boy uh, with, with his buddies. And, uh, and that was pretty much it. No big deal. I uh, told his stepdad, hey, there's a new one coming. I've got it ordered. And no more questions were asked about this truck or about the wreck or about the molding piece or any of that. And this kid thought, man, I've got it. I've, I've breezed through this until about six months later. The young man is now 18. He had a birthday. And one Saturday morning, the police knock on the door. Stepdad answers the door, and the police asked him if he was the person whose name was on the title of the vehicle. Stepfather said, yes, I am. He said, uh, were you the one driving this vehicle on this evening in this particular general area? He said, no, I was out of town, but I know who was. And as the story goes, the police then said they'd like to talk with this young man. And by talk, they meant charge him with hit and run. Now, I want to stop there for a second, because you see, 
what had happened was this. This young man broke some rules, okay? And, and he tried to cover up what he had done. He thought he got away with it. Six months is a long time. Sometimes if we get past a few days of, of telling a lie or doing something stupid, we think, oh, we've got this. We're okay. He'd made it six months. The, the peace was back on, all that. It, but he thought he got away with it. There's a new series out. I almost got away with it. Maybe it's not new. It's the first time I've seen it. I almost got away with it. Have you ever been there? You almost got away with it? That's where this young man was. He almost got away with it. Six months had passed, but he learned that day something that I want all of us to learn today if you haven't already learned it. And it's very simple. You can't hide sin. Someone always finds out. He thought he got away with it. The hazardous part for us And what makes it hazardous waste is the sins we hide from everyone. Because when those sins are revealed, it's big and it's ugly. And there seems to be no getting past this big, ugly, open sin. This is where this kid was. 17, just turned 18. And now this guy is handcuffed and sitting in a police car because he lied. We think we have control over things like that. We, we get past that the first few days of guilt and, and, and subconsciously eating away at ourselves and we think we're, we're moving on somewhere good and, and, and we've, we've kind of circled around it without asking forgiveness, without making it right, without doing the things we need to do. And we think we get past it and we think that we have control over the hidden sin in our life. And that is hazardous. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we look today at at the hazardous waste of hidden sin, I pray that you will open our hearts. If there are things we've buried that we think we no longer have accountability to, I pray that you would surface those things. Not for embarrassment, but for reconciliation. For restoration of who you want us to be. Lord, I ask that you would just be with us right now, that your spirit would move, that you would show us who you are, show us your love, your mercy, your grace, because we're going to wrestle with this hazardous waste of hidden sin, and it's not going to be pretty, but we know you can handle it. So I pray for your strength. I pray that you give us courage so that we can handle it, so we can face what we need to face, so that we can move on and honor you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You know, the story of this young man, it kind of reminds me um, of the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles there uh, to Genesis chapter 3. And while you're turning, I'm going to go ahead and, and start reading. Or you can just cheat and look up here behind me if you want to. Um, it says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, Surely you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. 
And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Verse 8, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Just in case you're wondering, God already knew where they were. Okay, He said, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Do you see what's happened here? Adam and Eve sinned, just like the kid, 17-year-old boy. They sinned. Then they tried to hide it from God, just like the 17-year-old kid. They tried to hide their sin, and then they realized they were caught. They started blaming others. Adam was like, the woman, the woman gave me food, and I ate it. Eve was like, the serpent deceived me. I ate it. But God knew. He knew the moment they did it. You know, we look at this story as, as mature Christians and we think, oh, what were they thinking? We can't hide from God. They should have known better. They can't hide from God. He made them. Everybody knows you can't hide from God. But that's what makes it hazardous waste. We start to think that we can hide it from God. But he knows. Just like my friend in the story I told you about at the beginning, he thought he could lie about the accident. His, his stepdad knew. Stepdad knew the car would have been in a wreck. He's, you know, teenagers, free advice right here. Your parents aren't as dumb as you think they are. Okay? This kid, he tells this story. He says, my stepdad knew that I'd wrecked the truck. But he still thought he could lie about the accident. His stepdad even told him, hey, if you got in an accident, let me know. We can take care of this. We can work this out. No, I was just, I hit a tree out in the woods goofing off. But now, the police are at their door. They put handcuffs on this boy and have him sitting in the back of a police car. You know, it's funny how quickly the truth comes out when the the authorities show up with a piece of molding that matches the vehicle. Or how quickly the truth comes out when God shows up in the garden and says, Hey, where are you? John? Yeah. Oh. What's under the basket? What basket? <laughs> what basket? Uh, basket right there? Uh, nothing. There's nothing. I got my apple beside it. I had a little snack. Nothing in the basket that you need to worry about. Why? What? Well, there's something kind of shiny in there. Well, that's, but listen, I'm, I'm preaching. We don't need to really worry about the basket. Okay, there's nothing here. Okay? You want to know what's in the basket? Yeah. Oh, well, of course. Mob mentality. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Okay. Oh, you know, oh, you're right. There was something in the basket. I just, oh, what's that? It's just this little box that, that I found. It's just a little wooden, little wooden box so you can put some stuff in it. That's all. Nothing else in the basket. There's nothing, nothing else in the basket. <laughs> Maybe, there may be one other thing in the basket. Yeah. Okay, what is that? Coffee cup. 
You know, I like coffee. Is there any coffee left in the kitchen? That I would, uh, I it's from Singapore. This I coffee think. cup came from Singapore. The fine city. It came from Singapore. That's a lovely coffee cup, and that's, that's pretty much it. There's nothing else in the, really in the basket. That, there's nothing. Uh, is that what you think? There's nothing else in the basket? Johnny. Okay. Okay, there's one other thing maybe in the basket that, uh, you know, I just, it's my wooden hammer. I don't I just, think wooden hammers glow. But that's all that's really in the basket. Yeah. For really, maybe, Johnny? You just called me Johnny, didn't you? <laughs> all right. Oh, no, that's okay. not what it is. Does that, that glows? Uh, no, it's Jesus. There is something it's Jesus, in the and he glows. He talks. Listen. Three. Come on. What's in the basket? No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Jesus is in the... Truth is spoken, but you're not speaking truth right now. What's in the basket? All right. Fine. Here, you can have it. I just was playing around, had a little something fun. What? Do you know what that is? Well, it's glowy, and it's watery, and it's cool. and it's like hazardous. I thought, you know what I could do with this? What? Yeah. I got it on this website, and it actually, it was a sale, and it said... Uranium. Uranium. You mean uranium? Is that what that is? Oh. I got uranium. It like glows like uranium. Is it volatile? Should I not? No. Da, 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 da. Here. Um, what? You know the story of Aiken? No. Oh, well, yeah. Check out Joshua 7. I think you need to check that out. Joshua, Joshua 7. Anybody Aiken? got a Bible? I, apparently, I need to look. I'm going to get rid. I'm of I'm just this. trying to preach, but now, I'm getting rid of this. Bring, bring me that. Let me check this out. I guess this Joshua seven thing. That was a couple of things. They're just like thanks. <laughs> thanks for pouring that out. You bet. But we're safe now. Should have never flushed that goldfish. That thing's going to be like huge now. <laughs> oh, Joshua, you say. Matthew, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Joshua. Joshua 7. Joshua 6. Six and a half. Seven. Um, oh, look at you guys. It's already there. But the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully. In regard to the things under the ban for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, took some of the things under the ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Yeah, so verse down, 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 down. 16 says, So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel nearby tribes. And the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the family of Judah near, and he took the family of the Zerahites. And he brought the family of the Zeharites near by man, man by man, and Zabdi was taken. He brought the household near, man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give praise to him, and tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Does this sound familiar? Sounds kind of like a 17-year-old that wrecked a truck. So Achan answered Joshua and said, Truly I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shinar, that's a robe, not a fireplace piece, 
and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight. Then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are concealed in the earth inside my tent with silver underneath it. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and behold, it was concealed in his tent with the silver underneath it. They took him from the inside, from, they took them from inside the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the sons of Israel and they poured them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the mantle, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent and all that belonged to him. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. And all Israel stoned them with stones and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. They raised up over him a great heap of stones that stands to this day. And the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. You know, the the funny thing about hazardous waste, about sin is this. Sin is not hurtful because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's hurtful. Ben Franklin said that, and I like this version of it. When God says something is bad for us, it is. Okay? Now, we goofed off a little bit over here with the box and our little modern-day play on Achan. But think about this for a second. Achan had this great lineage. I mean, he was from the tribe of Judah, he, that's the tribe that Jesus is from, by the way. He, he had what he needed. He had a family. The Bible says he had sons, daughters, cattle, sheep, donkeys, ox, goats. He had tents. He had, he had servants. And, and he even served a good leader in Joshua. And yet he still took something that didn't belong to him. He took things that were left over from basically the Battle of Jericho. And he's hiding them. And he's trying to deceive not just Joshua, but God. Oh, what tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Sir Walter Scott. And now, just like how Adam and Eve hid, and just like my friend in the story tried to hide the truth of the accident, the fact that Achan hid these things tells us he knew he should have never taken them. What are you hiding What are you hiding that you know needs to be let out? You may be thinking, but the punishment of that, they stoned Achan and his family and all of his animals, everything he had, and then then buried him. That seems kind of harsh. But here's the point. Achan stole from God. And what he stole, he hid in the camp. And he brought sin into the camp. And the sin in the camp, Achan's sin, actually, if you read that whole story, cost the lives of about 36 men. And and it put the whole nation of Israel in threat of losing favor to God. You know, Satan likes to convince us that what we do secretly won't hurt anyone. It's not a big deal. My friend left the scene of an accident, not thinking about the people in the other vehicle not thinking about the consequences, only thinking about himself. He was convinced that he got away with it. I mean, after all, a little white lie is harmless. It doesn't mean a lot. 
taking a little money from work or from the concession stand at your kid's ball game. It's, it's like a loan. It's no big deal. You can pay it back when you get caught up. Nobody has to know. Adam and Eve had everything they needed. And one bite changed it all. You know, the funny thing about fruit, one bite and it starts to die. I don't know if you can see that from where you're at, but one bite from an apple, it's already starting to die. You know, as soon as you bite into it, it begins to die. As soon as you believe the lies that you've hidden in yourself, the sins that you've covered up, you begin to die. Kind of like Adam and Eve, as soon as they ate the fruit from the tree of knowledge, they started to die. They changed from being pleasing to God, created in his own image, to, well, being like us. And like Achan, they all tried to hide their sin. They knew as soon as they did it, they had sinned against God. And no matter whether you're five or 50, you know, as soon as you do something wrong, you know what it is. Whether it's against your family or against your coworkers or against your church or against God, you know what it is. And yet we'd rather hide it under a basket or bury it. We know what it is. My question is this. How is it, church, that we think we can continue to sin and hide our hazardous things under a basket Hide our hazardous waste in our hearts and our minds and bury our secret sins in our tent like Achan or hide them in our home and at the same time expect God to bless us as individuals and as a congregation. How can we do that? Achan was a warrior. He was a fighting man of Israel. He had seen wars won by God and he was part of of some amazing things. He had seen the power of God. And yet he still chose to steal from him and hide it. So what's the difference between you and Achan? What sin are you hiding from God? While you're hiding that sin, you sit and, we, and wait and we expect his blessing. We, ex- we expect him to be on our side during spiritual battles and things that wage against us continually while we're hiding sin from God. We're sitting there, we wonder, why would God allow something like this to happen in my life while we're hiding sin? Are you like Achan? Are you sitting on the hazardous waste of a hidden sin? You know, Joshua sent out 3,000 men to battle, not knowing at the time that God had left them because of Achan's hazardous waste and his hidden sin. Achan thought what he was doing wasn't a big deal. What's it going to hurt? It's just a robe. It's just one bar of gold. It's just some silver. Nobody has to know. There's plenty for God. Surely you won't die if you just take one bite of this fruit. These are the same justifications that we use today. We talk ourselves into sin, and then we talk ourselves into hiding it. And brothers and sisters, uh, the time is now. It's time to stop hiding sin. The problem is, if we went around this room right now, and I started calling people out and you were actually bold enough to tell me what your secret sin is or, or what was something you've done in your past that was an embarrassment that you've never fully brought forth to God. If we started doing that, you would probably find out that what you think is your own individual shared sin or secret 
is probably the same thing that other people are dealing with or holding on to. You would see that you're not the only one. But Satan has convinced us of the shame or the judgment that will come from right here in this room if we start living life properly and sharing sins and sharing struggles and being accountable to one another in God's word. Because Satan knows this. He knows the favorite pastime of Christians is to shoot our own wounded. I'm here to tell you this may be true at some churches. It may have even been true around here. But I'm also here to tell you not today. Not at Huntsville Christian Church. Not anymore. Our vision here is win, commit, grow, and go. It's not ready, aim, fire. That's not what we're here for. If you want to be a part of a church that has a self-appointed firing squad, you're in the wrong place. If you want to be a part of a church that seeks forgiveness, that holds one another accountable in love, that's what Huntsville Christian Church needs to be. That's what our community needs us to be. That's what God has called us to be. But I can't make us that kind of church. I can't do that. Only you can. So my question is, are you ready to trade in your weapons of mass destruction for the sword of the Spirit? That's the question I have today. Are you ready? Because if you are, you're at the right place. And I want to be clear when I say this. If you're here to see others fail so you look good, if you're here because you like knowing you're not as bad off as the next person, if you're here to mock the people that are hurting and just play like you're a Christian, this is no longer your playground. These toxins that I've preached about so far, deception and septic thoughts and lethal language and hazardous waste, they're all about our behaviors. This whole month has been about our behaviors. And brothers and sisters, it's time that we change our behaviors here at Huntsville Christian Church. God deserves better than what we've been giving him. It's time to seriously consider leaving behind these behaviors that are toxins. The young man in the story I was telling you about earlier, he had to make some tough decisions. He eventually changed his behavior. He changed his friends. He changed his path. Last I heard, he was a preacher, and he was challenging the people that he served to change their behavior too. Yeah. So how do you respond to this kind of message? Hazardous waste, hidden sin. That's a tough one. You got to be careful in how you respond to this because revival might just break out. I know. If you come forward and you say, I want to change, everybody in the room is going to know you're messed up. That's true. But if you stay in your seat while we sing the, the song and while we look at the response time, everybody's just going to judge you as a hypocrite because they know you should have been going forward and asking for prayer and the strength to change, but no pressure. It's your call. We have to be different. You know, we, 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 we make our kids change their behavior, don't we? As they're growing up, that's, that's why we use discipline. Discipline helps change your behavior. And again, whether you're 5 or 50 or 60 or however old you are, discipline will help change our behavior. Discipline is not always a beaten, okay? Discipline comes from the Word of God for us and correction, straightening us out, rebuking us. But it comes and it works 
when we apply it to our lives. Brothers and sisters, there's no easy way. There is God's way. He offers hope and peace and forgiveness, even if your Christian friends won't. But today is the day that you respond to God and stop worrying about how you will respond to the people around you. We're going to hit our response time. Um, I don't know where everybody is, but I know none of us are in a perfect place. And I know because I I hear conversations and, and things filter back to me I know that in this room, there are things like forgiveness that are needed. There there are encouraging words that need to be spoken to people. There are, hey, I'm not going to do this again, and I'm going to change, and I'm going to be better, and I'm going to honor God moments that need to happen here. And if we can't, if those things can't happen here, they're not going to happen in our community. They're not going to happen when you go to work. They're not going to happen when you go home with your family. They're not going to happen when you don't have the support of a hundred other people to bring you through it. We are called to be different so we can no longer reflect the world we live in. It's time for us to reflect the God we serve. Will you stand and sing with us?